Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the horseshoe, Tim. We kind of snuck our way back in here. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's Tim May. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Welcome. Actually, you know, we walked boldly through the gate is what we did. We did, yeah. Uh, that's obviously Tim May. I'm obviously Spencer Holbrook. This is obviously the Monday after uh, new weekly segment here at Letterman Row. Feels uh, like it for me, man, with this cold. It's really knocking me down. Well, that's okay. We're going to power through, Tim. We appreciate your effort, uh, as do all the people. They appreciate you bringing the insight, despite <laughs> a little bit of a uh, feeling under the weather. Yeah. Uh, it's a chilly day, Tim. It kind of feels like fall now. Dude, it does, uh, doesn't it? I mean, this is my favorite time of year. That's why when I moved up from Texas, I stayed in Ohio. My parents moved back. God, I just I like the change of seasons, but I love football season weather in Ohio. I think it's almost perfect. Well, it's a little bit of a false fall, Tim. I will tell you that. We're going to yeah. get 65 degrees. Indian in summer? 65 degrees, 70 degrees. And then we're going back up to 80. I think even Saturday, it's going to be pretty warm for Ohio State Toledo at 7 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Uh, wish it kind of we we kind of wish that it wasn't a night game but anytime you get to see the buckeyes under the lights we won't complain um yeah, wait, wait, let me ask you a question why do people have such a problem with ohio state toledo being at night but not ohio state notre Dame? well i mean i mean i mean it, to me what six one half dozen of the other i mean you understand what i'm saying i prefer day games because by four five o'clock we're done and we're home watching football again right <laughs> yeah uh but uh yeah the, the problem for guys like me and you is we're working all day on a night game, and then you stay here till midnight finishing things off and stuff. But I think, I mean, who I mean, I used to go to night games, Alabama games at night, you know, in September, et cetera, when I was growing up. I had no problem with that. So if it's hot, I'd much rather if I was a player play at night than uh, middle of the afternoon on Saturday when it's 86. Well, this is a show where we can kind of talk about, you know, whatever we want. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. I think the biggest thing, Tim, is, uh, with these non-conference games that don't mean anything, and you know they all they mean, do, they all mean something. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, ask Nebraska if these non-conference no, games don't mean anything. And I understand that, but but or, all, or Notre Dame. All I'm saying here is or Texas A&M. <laughs> all I'm trying to say here is these night games that kind of Ohio State fans, I almost want to get them out of the way. You come to the stadium, you get here at noon for this uh, Arkansas State game. You're in traffic at four o'clock. You're home by five. You're eating dinner and watching the night game. Uh, you know, watching yeah. USC Stanford or or Nebraska, Georgia Southern. Yeah. Uh, but the wow. other side of that coin is, you know, the Notre Dame game was such a buildup. You want to tailgate for that. You want to be here all day. You want to do that. Whereas the Toledo game, yeah, maybe you want to, I don't know, I'm not going to put ideas in people's head. You want to go to the pumpkin patch with your kids in the morning. You want to grab a lunch with a friend. Then you want to get down here and, and you know, tailgate maybe but it's not really a game that they you know a lot of people think is worth tailgating i'd love to hear from ohio state fans in the comments why notre dame and toledo are so different to have at night not to mention the recruiting atmosphere and just the general atmosphere and the buzz for a notre dame game aside from a toledo game they're just completely different and so you know some ohio well, state fans would rather Toledo be out of the way by by four o'clock, and that some would rather Notre Dame start at seven so they can drink and tailgate all day in the buildup. I was very impressed that 100,000 plus showed up at Ohio Stadium uh, this past Saturday to, to play watch Ohio State play Arkansas State for the first time. 
maybe that was the novelty of it that drew them. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't this fall off to whatever that was, 69 or 70,000 against what was it, Akron last year or whatever it was. I mean, you never, you didn't know what kind of crowd to expect. But see, I've always looked at Ohio State games as an event. And there are a lot of people that can't afford to pay the premium price on what, you know, select your ticket redistribution site for an Ohio State Michigan game that can who bellyache that maybe they don't get to go to an Ohio State game, you can definitely get into the Ohio State Toledo game for a reasonable price and bring yeah. your family and stuff. I don't look at it as, well, am I gonna go to the pumpkin patch today or am I, am I going to go to the Ohio State a, a football game, the number three team in the country playing right down the road. Yeah. I'm gonna go to the event, the event, uh, the rare event, which is, uh, well, this year's eight home games, but yeah. it's usually a semi-rare event that you, don't it only it only comes around every so often and to have that opportunity i think i think a lot of people are, are understanding that now there this is the number three team in the country uh and it's it's only going to get better i do believe and there's also you know a little bit of the the idea of seeing a cj stroud in person seeing that's what a, i'm talking about jackson smith and jigba if he plays certain disarray in person seeing this defense work in person uh it is a different a different feel uh, i sat at home for all the 2020 games just because of covid and watched it it's just a little bit different so you know can you, you imagine a view though of somebody sitting right here we're on about the uh 25 yard line of the south end as we do this in the uh west deck west stands getting to see that pass from stroud to uh marvin harrison jr down there at the goal line this what a perfect view that was of an amazing play of one of the elite quarterbacks who's ever played here, yeah. who's oh, ever yeah. played in college football, really, to a receiver who's living up to his to his namesake, Marvin Harrison, making that play. You know, wow, you so, can't. You, well, I guess you can buy the experience, but you know. <laughs> so, let's go back in time a little bit. Obviously, like I said, let us know in the comments what you think about Ohio State Toledo being a night game, uh, the in-person experience of the horseshoe. I know some people have their gripes about this. 100-year-old cathedral, but still a pretty cool place to be in, Tim, even on a Monday when it's well, it's dead. It's been refurbished uh, quite a bit since yeah. since the first concrete was poured. But yeah, this is one of those cool cathedrals in college football. Like I said, a long time ago in the 1920s and maybe early 30s, some some schools decided to build a big stadium and some didn't. Yeah, and the Ohio. ones that didn't got left behind. Ohio State did, and here we are, Tim, 100 years later. So uh, let's talk about what happened in this 100-year-old building last Saturday, two days ago, on September 10th, the Arkansas State game. Uh, I couldn't decide, Tim, I was trying to write a headline on Sunday morning, and I couldn't decide whether to call this game a rout. I know, I saw that. Or whether I would've called it a romp. Or whether to call it, whatever you want to call it, it was 45-12. Um, Let me interrupt State you though. I know, I know, I get mad. I know I, there's one guy particularly mad. I will say this: the first five minutes of the second half was a rout. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now go ahead. And so you you kind of had a hard time characterizing this because there were some good moments, there were some bad moments, there was some stagnation uh, from this offense, there was some explosiveness from this offense, there were some uh, incredible plays by the defense, there were some lapses by a defense, particularly at the cornerback position. Um, hey, when they're attacking you on the corners, man, you're not going to stop every uh, every arrow. Yeah, and so uh, I guess now that you've had a couple days to digest what all happened to him, uh, just some thoughts on Ohio State 45, Arkansas State 12. See, I, you know, I went back and watched some uh, Arkansas State games from a year ago. They were fairly competitive then, but they kind of reshaped their team over the last uh, like eight, nine months with some transfers, et cetera. Plus, Bush Jones. Forget about what he did at Tennessee. Bush Jones is a hell of a football coach. Great program. Uh, Bill's things the right way. I mean, like he did at Cincinnati, like he did at what? Central Michigan. And uh, you can see the beginnings of what he's building there at Arkansas State. 
and they stayed very disciplined, didn't turn the ball over, and they attacked the Ohio State defense probably the way a lot of people are going to do it from now on. They attacked the edges of it. Hey, it's a one-on-one game out there. Stop it if you can. <clears throat> Denzel Burke had a tough day, got pulled for a while. That might have even been planned, but went back in there, I thought played pretty well after he got back in there. But you, when you're on the corner and you're man-to-man, -man, you're going to give up some plays. So that's the way I looked at the way Arkansas State attacked Ohio State's defense. But that only lasts for so long till the field gets shortened, and now you've got great athletes going against your guys, closing the gap a lot faster, and you kick field goals instead of uh, instead of scoring touchdowns. Then offensively, just like you talked about, I'm writing a story about that for Tuesday for LettermanRow.com. Uh, it was feast or famine for the Ohio State offense. Boy, when it was a feast though, it was like a buffet line where everybody got in line at all at the same time and just ran through it. Uh, when it was famine, you know, when's the when's the carved roast beef coming out? That's what you were thinking. And uh, because the, it's almost like Ohio State has too many options in its offense from the standpoint of plays available that Ryan Day and his staff can call. And sometimes when you're hitting the nail, right on the head of the nail, just keep hitting that nail the same way. They, they could not match up with Marvin Harrison Jr. They did not match up very well at all with Emeka Ekbuka. I mean, and then you get them sort of just with a step on somebody and the way C.J. Stroud can thread the needle like few others in college football this year from a quarterback standpoint. And then running-wise, sometimes Ohio State made it look extremely easy when they just said, to hell with it, we're going, we're coming yeah. at you. Yeah. As opposed to other plays when they didn't look so great. It's, it's always going to be hit or miss a little bit with this kind of offense, but it was more hit or miss, I think, than it should have been. So let's go back to the defense first because you, you touched on both defense and offense. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the defense, then transition back to that offense because, you know, something just popped in my head. And when you're recording, you just you got to get that out there. Yeah, you're uh, going to cover that cough I just had, though. You're going to cut that yeah, out, right? Yep. Sweet. Okay, so defensively, um, Arkansas State had a good game plan against Ohio State. Uh, get the ball out of James Blackman's hands. Yes. Before JT Tuimolo out and company got to him. Yes. And every time they tried to drop back and, and do a four or five step drop, and get the ball out. It was a sack, or it was a, a hurry, or it was an incompletion because he had guys, you know, breathing face. down his neck in his face. Um, so hitches will work when you're 80 yards from the end zone on this Ohio State defense because the corners are on an island. You yep. can complete a few hitches, and then it's a missed tackle here, a missed tackle there, and you're down the field. When the field gets shortened, though, that's when this Ohio State defense, which we saw a lot, almost there were years in the Trestle era where it was a, you know, you called Ohio State, Ben, don't break. You you remember all of those, you know. You, well, they, you yeah, know, I've get, seen that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, Earl Bruce era, uh, whatever, right but, on down the line. And I think you're going to see that from Jim Knowles here as def as offenses try to attack those edges is it's easy to complete a hitch from plus from out, from 80 yards out. It's a lot harder when it gets down in the red zone to find lanes to run or to throw into this Ohio State I, defense. I like how you're rewording what I just said. Yeah. But yeah. you're exactly right. And so, you know, it – it's going to be interesting to watch teams try to attack them because you, I don't think there's a team in the country um, short of maybe, you know, the top four or five, but even, you know, Alabama's offensive line looks shaky. Clemson's oh. offensive line shaky. Oh. You know, there are a few teams that are going to be able to block this front four that Ohio State throws at you. Consistently, maybe. Yes. Yeah. And so you're going to have to get the ball out quickly. And so you might get down the field, no matter who the opponent is, they might get down the field. But in that red zone, this defense sure knows how to, yeah. how to stiffen up to them. And then, I'm not meaning to hijack the show, but let's go no. back to the offense here. It almost seemed to me, Tim, like Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, and I'm trying really hard 
to give the opponents more credit this season because I've always been like, well, Ohio State's just going to dominate. And, and you've noticed that I do that. But Yeah, I have noticed that. So, so this, I'm, I'm just giving you information on what you're This is one of the was. best teams in the country, though, and so it's, it's yeah. hard not to do that at points. But yes. it seems like Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, this offensive staff, where, okay, let's let's try to keep this run game a little vanilla. Let's try to keep this throwing game, you know, not show too much. And then when after a three and out, a couple three and outs, they'd say, okay, we need points. Uh, let's just go. And then they would but throw. But that looks like, like I asked Marvin Harrison Jr. after the game, why don't you run that, like his takeoff right here, right up this right up this seam right here. Uh, touchdown that C.J. Stroud hit him right in stride on, you know, the takeoff route. Mm-hmm. Why don't you run that once every three plays? Whatever. He goes, well, you know, basically it's not that simple, you yeah. know? And I'm just going, well, boy, it sure looks that way sometimes. I mean, yeah. that's what I think gets the fans. The fans don't really, and even the media sometimes, we don't really understand all the other, you know, machinations they go through. Yeah. Just like put the pedal to the metal and let her ride. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, and I don't think at all Ryan Day treats any game like a scrimmage. No. He wants to score as soon as possible. Uh, but he also knows you've got to have a running game in November uh, in big-time games like they didn't have against Michigan last year uh, for a third and one or a fourth and one where you've got to be able to get that yard. And the only way you generate that is from confidence and getting it done uh, on the buildup. So, you know, it's, it's funny because you're any game you go to, you're watching sort of a combo practice game mm-hmm. all at the same time because you're trying to get guys confidence, and yet you also want to score as many points as possible. Yeah, and so, you know, maybe what I'm trying to say is, like, Ohio State decided, okay, we're going to work out some of these these kinks that we had and and try to go down the field a little bit. Well, there's a three and out. Okay, well, let's let's try this and see if we can get this kink worked out. Oh, well, that was a five play, excuse me, and punt. Okay, now we need points. Um, Marvin, go. And, it, you know, throw a go route, and, and it's open. And then, you know, the next possession – uh, instead of having the, the ground game where you're just trying to control the line of scrimmage, you actually do what they did against Notre Dame and pull those two offensive linemen, get up into the hole, and Trayvon Henderson's gone for, for you know, a 40-yard gain. Yeah. It was it was one of those things where it just seemed like they obviously didn't open the playbook as much as they did against Notre Dame, but when they needed to open that playbook, they were more than willing to go in there and say, okay, let's pull the guard, pull the tackle, get out on the edge, Trayvon Henderson touchdown. Let's, yeah. let's run the dig route to Emeka. Uh, he catches it or to Marvin. He catches it and runs the rest of the way for a touchdown. Let's sneak Emeka into the middle when two guys cover Cade Stover and get him over the middle for a touchdown because we know that that's going to work even if we didn't particularly want to do it in this game. It just seemed like there were elements to this offense where they weren't calling a lot of creative plays and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we need to be creative here. Let's get a touchdown. Yeah, but you know, uh, I thought Arkansas State had some pretty good athletes in their secondary, for example. For sure. And the uh, one touchdown pass that C.J. Stroud threw, threw to Marvin Harrison Jr. basically ran a deep dig route. Didn't really you know, a, a classic dig route. As you go up, you turn like you're running a post, and then you come on across, uh, straight across. He ran more of just a you know basically a cross. Uh, but the way he sold it, the way he bent his body, and he came across. But the window there that he hit because Cade Stover was releasing up the seam there just to kind of get the safety's attention. Uh, it's just. A, I'm trying to use some word other than marvelous, you know, for marvelous yeah. Marvin. But it was just a marvelous execution by both the quarterback and the receiver. And the receiver catches it dead in stride and just runs right to the corner for a touchdown. Uh, you, like you said, that it's kind of like you go to a circus and you got the high wire act doing their thing. 
and then they bring in the clowns and some people like clowns and some people don't and then they bring out they bring the tightrope walk, walker in he's doing flips on the tightrope and then they bring in the elephants and while there's the elephants but you know get that tightrope walker it's that's kind of what it's like watching ohio state football's offense you know and uh I, I i've been more keen though watching the defense uh this year because you're seeing things yeah they gave up several drives and we already touched on why because you know they got hit on the edges and and gave up a few plays and boom the ball goes down the field but this defense man you just see a little nuances every week well every week two weeks they're a little bit different i think they're feeling much more at home confident with that front seven or front six mm -hmm. depending on how you want to define it uh, the way they're doing things especially with jack sawyer involved uh but now like you said i want you to get to the guys that you think because you wrote a story about that at lettermanroad.com the five guys you think took steps in this game that could bode well for them the next several weeks. Well, since you talked about defense, we'll stay. We'll, we'll start on defense, and I'm actually going to start on special teams. Uh, I have been immensely impressed with Polly Neoteote. He is a guy who probably did not expect this to be his role as a senior at yeah. Ohio State when he transferred here. Former, uh, I think, second or third team All Pac-12 guy at linebacker yeah. for USC. Yeah, and transferred here to shore up a linebacker room that needed help. Didn't have a, a really a, a contributing role last year yeah and now I mean, that sudden, Oregon game is one all those linebackers would like to throw <laughs> away or have back but go ahead and then to come in this year and know that Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg are the leading two linebackers they bring in another transfer linebacker and Chip Tranum who seems to be making progress here on the field as he yes. gets his feet wet I think he's going to have a bigger role moving forward Polly Neoteote though has been a special teams ace for Ohio State he's in on almost every kickoff tackle He's down the field quicker than anybody because he has that quickness from a, a speedy linebacker spot, and he's a short tackler. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying here is not every transfer you take is going to be a home run, you know, Justin Fields, Jonah Jackson, Trey Sermon transfer. But this team kind of not needs, but really benefits from having a guy like Neo Teote out there because he had a tackle inside the 15 against Notre Dame on a kickoff. He had a tackle at the 16 against Arkansas State. He's the two-time now special teams player of the week for Ohio State, splitting that with Xavier Johnson last week and getting it out right this week. He's been good for the Buckeyes. And Who's I, your next guy? The next guy is absolutely Caden Curry, and I know you're excited to talk about him, so let's get into it too. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I was talking about it on the radio this morning with you know our buddies Brandon Beam and Bobby Carpenter. Uh, just, just watching him getting ready on the before the play starts it's just this guy has something ticking in his head that uh maybe it's a time bomb i don't know what's going on in his head but he just wants so much to be in on the action and then to watch him turn that into what four tackles or whatever it was on saturday in that mop-up role uh i think people just got a taste of what he's all about but he is always in pursuit of the football or the person with the football and that's what stands out to me about him and where it's going to take him he looks like a he looks like a, a four-fifths version of one of the Bosa brothers to a certain extent. And then throw Chase Young into that equation too. Just I'm not saying he's like those guys. Yeah, he'll, no. he'll be his own guy, but just his quick step, his his eagerness to be in on the action. Basically, I call him one of those last frame guys. There's a bunch of last frame guys on his defense. He wants to be on that last frame of the video. Yeah. of a play where he is at the football, you know, when the play is over, no matter where the football is. You can't 
I don't think you can even coach that. I mean, and they've got several guys that, that fit that bill, but watch out for Caden Curry as this season develops, and especially maybe this week uh, against Toledo. So there's an obvious drop-off, Tim, <clears throat> from JT Tuimoloau and Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison to the next crop on that defensive line when you talk about Javante Jean-Baptiste and Tyler Friday at defensive end, who are great players in their own right. Yeah. But the, the talent gap, you can see it when those guys are on the field. It's just that's part of football. Yeah. I don't see necessarily, and I know it was against the twos, so I'm going to pump the brakes a right, little right. on Caden Curry. But I don't really see a huge drop-off between that second-team defensive end grouping and Caden Curry. I don't either. And so as Larry Johnson goes through this and as Jim Knowles goes through this, you almost wonder if they're starting to see the same things in practice and in games, and maybe Caden Curry starts to get a little bit of that run with the second-team defensive Jim line. Knowles lives – I mean, he, you know, he'll probably disagree. I don't care. Uh, Jim Knowles lives by the credo, how can we just mess with the offense's mind? You know, one way you mess with it is a guy makes a play, and next thing you know, the quarterback is out of the corner of his eye, at least, is looking for him. Yep. He's in on the play. Caden Curry has the uh, has the uh, has the chance to be another one of those guys on this defense. You've you whether you uh, whether you admit it or not, you're adjusting your play based on this guy may be in here quicker than you know. But just creating havoc is what Jim Knowles wants for that front six. There's a, on the first team defense, you can see there's an obvious concern where 44 is at all times. Yeah. JT Tuimoloau is making that kind of impact already. He's not getting the sacks because they're getting the ball out of their hands quickly. Both Tyler Buckner and, and James Blackman and I imagine they'll do the same at Toledo this week. But 44 is a guy you have to know where he is. That second team offense, um, you know, if it gets to that against Toledo, it's going to have to know where 92 is, and that's yeah. just a fact. Yeah. Uh, the last guy on the defense that I that I highlighted, and it's worth a conversation, is Jaquelin Johnson. Uh, maybe we'd be talking about Jordan Hancock if he was available to play. Yeah. Because Ohio State needed a third cornerback on Saturday. Denzel Burke, um, and we won't sugarcoat it. He he didn't have his best stuff. Yeah. Uh, against Arkansas State, two pass interference calls, got burnt on a double move down the sideline, uh, gave up a couple others. He did have a nice pass breakup to his credit. Um, but through two games, Tim, he just doesn't seem like the same player uh, as he was as a true freshman. Maybe that's a little bit of a sophomore uh, slump just to hey, start the season. Some people, have, some people have a, a bad day. I think yeah. I thought he had kind of a bad day, but you're right. I mean, I think everybody's eyes on him now, maybe for the little bit of the wrong reason, but I don't think that's far-fetched to what you're saying. And so Ja'Kalen Johnson now has a big opportunity in front of him. He played, uh, you know, for a couple series as a starter when Denzel Burke was sat down and maybe calmed down, given a little bit of a, you know, a reprieve uh, like he will on Saturday against Toledo. Uh, hey, it's not your day. Let's let's see what happens with Jake with Ja'Kalen Johnson. Yeah. And maybe you, you can get back in the game later. Maybe we'll just start you again against Toledo. So it's just something to keep an eye on because if Ja'Kalen Johnson or J.K. as he's known on the roster now progresses and gets better and Jordan Hancock comes back and gets better you might start to talk about Cameron Brown and the other corners rather than Denzel Burke and the other guys oh, I don't know I think Denzel Burke's gonna bounce back well, I mean I think he's he has all the ingredients I mean he may even be dealing with something who knows you know yeah, what I mean but yeah. uh I mean he was just barely off on several of those plays but barely when you're out there on the island that's what I'm saying I mean that's where offenses are going to try to attack this high state defense because it's becoming quite a quite obvious to everybody the middle of the field is uh 
it's, that's a tough zone, especially with those those safeties playing the the games they're playing, et cetera. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And I'm not saying that Denzel Burke's going to get benched. I, I don't want that to be out there, but I do think it's worth a conversation of, you know, what can Jaquelin Johnson do to help this defense? What can yeah. Jordan Hancock, when he comes back, do to help this defense? Well, you've got a guy like Denzel Burke who maybe his confidence is a little shaken. Maybe he's just having an off day. Those guys can step in yep. and uh, become playmakers for this first-team defense. Um, that's the defensive side, Tim. Uh, we can flip over to the offensive side now if you'd like. Uh, Tim, you guessed one of my guys that I that I named as a uh, offensive stock up, stock riser, if you will. Uh, Cade Stover, the tight end, he's a captain. He's an Iron Buckeye. Oh, maybe an Iron Buckeye, if I can remember correctly. Yeah, he was. Uh, not a guy that you would expect to have his stock he rise. It's, yeah. it's not like it can get any higher. He's the starting tight end. Over. He's but a captain. One of the best offenses in the country. But his stock is rising right now because he's got, uh, you know, six catches through or five catches through uh, two games. And he had a 35-yard catch and run. It looked pretty impressive. He, he's a target for C.J. Stroud, no doubt. Yeah. My buddy Jake Ballard, uh, Jeremy Ruckert, probably are all looking going, wait a minute. Huh? Wait a minute. Huh? What? Wait a minute. I'm telling you, man. I've said this a million times, I'll say it a million and one. If a quarterback, quarterback, it, sometimes it comes down to the quarterback just making a choice. You get the tight end involved in your passing game, I'm talking about catching the ball, it opens things up elsewhere. And what's the other thing I say about the tight end? Nobody covers the tight end consistently in college football. Uh, and as uh, uh, Jim Knowles said, you seem to be fixated with the tight end. I go, yeah, I am. I would throw the ball to the tight end five, eight, ten times a game just based on situations. And then, like we were talking about, uh, did we did we name G. Scott as an, another guy that to watch? No, but go ahead. <clears throat> but like getting G. Scott in this past week as a lined up as a quote true tight end bodes well for High State down the road. We talked about this a little bit in the spring. You know, if a guy goes in the game and he's a quote tight end, he needs to establish himself on video as lining up as a true tight end, not out in the flank all the time, not yep. like Michael Mayer at Notre Dame. You know, that I think that show has run its course at Notre Dame. You're not going to win with a tight end and one reasonable wide receiver in major college football against decent teams. And yeah, Marshall is a decent team. But, uh, and of course, High State's a decent team. <laughs> but my point is, if they can get G. Scott established on the opponent's video as a real tight end, and then you start doing things with him, because we all know he's a beefed up wide receiver. He, he sees himself as like, like that tweener guy that will have a role in the NFL if a team tag takes him, if he proves himself on this level. And uh, it just opens up all kinds of things for you offensively. But you still have to, you want them, if you put him and Kate Stover on the field, Together, you want the defense looking at it as 12 personnel, yep. not 11 personnel. Yep. You understand? And uh, so that's been a quest for the high state offense. I know early in this season, we'll see if that follows, but I think G Scott's up for the deal. Yeah, G Scott set up a block, <clears throat> block to set up a Trayvon Henderson touchdown. Yeah. It was a great block. It was a kickout block, and he did a great job. And so you give a lot of credit, tip your hat to him. Uh, back to Kate Stover a little bit, just if I if I can, Tim. He caught a tight end wheel route. Um, for 35 yards, like I said earlier in this video. And then a couple possessions later, maybe even a full quarter later, he ran another uh, wheel route and two guys followed him. And guess who was wide open in the middle of the field? The best playmaker right now for this offense, Emeka Ibuka. Yeah, they also and, blitzed the safety on that play. Yeah. That always fine. helped. But the way he ran that little delayed takeoff right up the seam, that was just, 
marvelous to watch. Well, I keep using that word. <laughs> but two guys followed Cade Stover yeah. for a reason, and that's because they already showed that they're willing to run that tight end wheel route. Well, now you got to account for Cade Stover, and Emeka Ibuka played it perfectly. Yeah, but it was like was a patient. It, it was such a happenstance or serendipity because the guy who would be over the top on Emeka Ibuka blitzed. You know what I mean? It's like, you, like we were talking about a while ago, why don't they run that play every time? Well, because that's not necessarily the way the defense is playing you on that particular play. Yep. But no, that was a great observation on your part. And then, boy, when you establish, like I said, when you establish a tight end, as a, he's got to catch the ball sometimes, it changes everything. Yep, absolutely. And Who's so your other guy? The other guy, Tim, is the guy I just mentioned. And it's almost unfair to put him in this category, but through two games, Emeka Ibuka is absolutely- Three uh, games. Becoming a, well, three games, yeah. But yeah, the Rose Bowl, he had a good Rose Bowl. But we're, you know, at this season, it's a different roster, it's a different team. Yeah. Uh, through two games, he has been very, very good. Over 100 yards on four catches in this one uh, against Arkansas State out here on Saturday because of that long catch and run. Uh, 27 yards on a on a handoff. I think that was actually a tip, a tap pass. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, it might've been a handoff. Might've been but a jet, whatever. 27 yeah. yards there. Uh, so he had almost 150 yards of total offense yeah. just to himself. Nine catches for 90 yards and a touchdown against Notre Dame. This guy is a is becoming a bona fide playmaker in this offense. Um, and in my opinion, Tim, you can get into it just in a second. When I'm, when Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming come back, you still have to get the ball to Mecca Buka. He's, he's proving himself that he needs the football in his hands. He is not intimidated at all about being on the edge and making a cut. He proved that as a kickoff returner last year. Uh, there's some fearless fearlessness to him. Uh, the word I would use is undaunted. He makes one cut and goes. Goes. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. But you know, uh, I've I've been singing his praises for a while now. Plus, man, what a, what a joy to talk to that guy. I mean, that's very smart. A lot of guys on this team I enjoy talking to, and he's definitely one of them. He's very smart. Uh, he sees things. He figures things out, uh, as the coaches have said about him, uh, and. That just bodes well for him down the road. And like, like uh, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. said in my story this, you know, today uh, at LettermanRoad.com, they're they're not being placeholders. These guys were counted on as being starters in this offense. He and Emeka Egbuka, they're going to be so much better, as he points out, though, when J Jackson Smith and Jigbo Jackson Smith and Jigbo returns, without a doubt. Uh, but we saw this combo in the Rose Bowl. That was such a bonus to have that, what I call extra spring game, yeah. where you got to, these guys got to play against a big time opponent in a big time setting. And those two guys stepped up big time. We all know what Jackson Smith and Jigba did. He put on a show, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's coming to fruition now that the next wave has arrived. And I think it's important, Tim, for this offense to, without Jackson Smith and Jigba the last two weeks, basically, to establish a Mecca Ibuka, because now you can't really, and defenses can do whatever they want, but I would advise not double teaming Jackson Smith and Jigba when he comes back, because Ryan Day will just take it with a Mecca Ibuka and be okay with it, or take it with Marvin Harrison Jr. So not only was it important to get those guys reps in the Rose Bowl and to get them accustomed with CJ Stroud in the off season, and to get them their targets against Notre Dame, whether Jackson was in there or not, but to show these guys have 180 and 118 yard potential in them. Yeah. No matter what. Now when Jackson Three touchdown the, potential. Four touchdowns combined. Between exactly. The now when Jackson and Jimmer comes back, folks, uh, good luck defending this offense because if you want to take away the country's top receiver, they're just going to throw it for 180 yards to, to uh, 
Marvin Harrison Jr. and 118 yards to Emeka Ibuka and beat you that way. And so, again, uh, for Toledo, as we move forward a little bit, Tim, let's preview Toledo. Well, yeah, but I was going to say, consistency is what Ryan Day is now seeking from this offense because I think he's done a real good job of getting another check mark for his running game, which he wanted to get fixed in the offseason. Check. And when you add that to what the potential that you just showed uh, for the guys on the outside, sometimes from the slot, sometimes from the backfield, who knows where Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to line up next once he gets back from that hamstring. Uh, This is a tough, this will be a tough defense to defend. Now, with that said, we saw it get defended a couple of times last year. You know what I mean? And uh, you've got to be on point. The thing about this offense is it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, yeah, I always say Ferrari, but I'm not a big, huge fan of Ferrari. But it's kind of like, a, especially in Formula One this year, but it's kind of like a Ferrari engine. It's got to be hitting on all cylinders to really get your attention. And when it is hitting all cylinders, look out. It can do damage. But if one cylinder is kind of missing, which is uh, uh, happened occasionally even this year, uh, it can it can be as vulnerable as any other. So that's what Ryan Day is seeking, man. If there's a holy grail, it's like, wow. You know, get this offense clicking from from the get go. So, you just talked about being a Ferrari. Ferraris are also expensive to fix. Uh, yes, they 1. are. One point nine million dollars to fix Jim Knowles, to fix the defense uh, with Jim Knowles. A uh, couple hundred, that few hundred thousand dollars to get Justin Fry here to fix this running game, and they, everything seems to be clicking right now. Uh, but Saturday night at seven o'clock on Big Ten Network against Toledo, Ohio State will have to prove it yet again. Uh, maybe with Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe with Julian Fleming. We don't really know. We saw him warming up uh, over here in the south end zone before the game, uh, before any Buckeyes took the field. They were two out here almost getting their calories burnt instead of warming up. They were yeah. doing some wind sprints and jogs and, and stretching. Um, big sweat, big sweatpants and shirts on. First thoughts, Tim, on this Ohio State versus Toledo matchup. I'm intrigued by left tackle, right tackle versus the Toledo pass rush. It was two really good guys off the edge. Yeah. Um, where, where do you see first thoughts on this matchup? <clears throat> I tell you what's intriguing to me, Dallas Gant, former Ohio State linebacker, transferred to Toledo, and I think he's led them in tackles the first two games, or at least right at the top. There's a guy that's going to come in, uh, you know, maybe looking to prove a point, but he knows he he knows he belongs on this field. Yeah, you know, uh, Dequan Finn is that the uh, quarterback's name? This guy's a really good playmaker. Uh, obviously, they scored 55 points uh, this past weekend against the Minutemen. They almost went fifty. They almost went a point a minute against the Minutemen. <laughs> I huh? see what you did. Give there. it up to me there. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it was pretty corny. But uh, the bottom line is, they they feel pretty good. I mean, a blowout can do wonders for you from a confidence standpoint. This is not the Massachusetts defense are going to be running into here, though. Uh, so what I see basically is a is a hard fought game between an in-state rival or a team that wants to be an in-state rival. In Ohio State, this series only started what in 1993 or something. After Ohio State started playing in-state foes again, Ohio State's up 3-0 in it. But the last time Toledo came in here in 2011, almost a forgettable season for Ohio State. I think the final score was 27-22. Bottom line is Toledo's going to come in here like gangbusters. This is their shot, you know. And anybody is, as uh, uh, their coach said after the game the other day. It, anywhere around the country if you're not on your game somebody can beat you yep so that's ohio state's quest is that competitive stamina as uh, ryan day keeps pushing it has to be on display again on saturday night in the stadium because toledo has some players man uh nice players uh mid-american conference caliber and above like i just pointed out dallas Gant. so toledo recruits at the best level in the mac you know yes. I, I, as a guy who follows the mac really really closely you know 
proud Mac graduate. Uh, Toledo is a good football team. I'm not going to discount what they do at all. Uh, and then you take it a step further, Tim, and I know Wisconsin just lost, but Ohio State's got a big uh, you know, matchup against Wisconsin on deck right after this Toledo game. Yes. It's almost like a little bit of a look-ahead spot for the Buckeyes, and you can't walk in here uh, with a home crowd and expect to just roll Toledo. Um, I will say, though, there's a different feel for guys, and we'll get back to our point as we wrap this show up. You know, it comes full circle. There's a little bit of a different feel for guys. You know, you get under the lights, and that the juices just get flowing a little more. So maybe Ohio State, you know, doesn't roll in here like like they kind of did a little bit against Arkansas State. A sleepy day in the horseshoe, and noon starts. You know, you know, hot day out. No, you're going to get a a nighttime atmosphere, whether it's you know 110,000 like it was for the Notre Dame game or not. You're going to get a, a good effort from the Buckeyes, in my opinion, because you know I just think that the competitive juices start flowing when you see those lights click on, and you know. Yeah, I but think man, that, but 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 Ryan Day, all he has to do. Just roll out some scores from this past weekend, man, when teams aren't on, like Jason Candle referred to from from Toledo. You're not on, you can get beat. Everybody's got players. Some people don't have as many players uh, as, uh, some people don't have as many players as like an Ohio State or Alabama, but they've got guys that can play. And uh, that's what stands out about this. And so I think I understand, I think Ohio State, this team seems to get the urgency of of the situation, but you know, you gotta show it. Yeah, you've got Marshall beating uh, Notre Dame. You've got Texas A&M losing to App State at home, and a pretty shocking uh, result. You've got a couple other games around the country. Well, Nebraska got beat by Georgia Southern, yeah. and Scott Frost got fired the next day. Yeah, and then you even go a step further, and you know I didn't have a lot of faith in a Washington State team beating Wisconsin, but Wisconsin didn't look prepared to play in that game. And Washington you know, State's pretty good football yeah. team, and Washington State got the best of them. And so, and here's Texas, which I don't think is still on anywhere close to the level of Alabama. You make you you have like the mistakes Alabama had at Texas, noon eleven a.m. start there. You can get beat if you're Alabama, and they almost did. Yep. I mean, Texas almost beat Alabama with a kicker named Auburn, Bird Auburn. Go figure. That would have been a hell of a headline. Auburn beats Bama. Well, it didn't happen. And what also didn't happen was Arkansas State and Ohio State being in a close game. Ohio State 45, Arkansas State 12. Uh, we're going to put that game uh, in the rearview mirror. We're going to close the book on that one. Move forward with Toledo. Uh, but that's Tim May. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for uh, tuning into the morning, at the, the Monday after. It's easy for me to say. Uh, if you're not already subscribed, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we produce videos just about every day. Tim and I's content right now on LettermanRoad.com, along with Matt Parker, our recruiting writer. Uh, $1 for the entire year, folks. That is an absolute steal. Uh, go ahead and, and subscribe there. Join us on the Letterman Lounge message board. We'll be there all week talking about Ohio State Toledo at 7 o'clock on Big Ten Network inside the Horseshoe. And we will see you there. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.